0: I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we are going to get right into our next bit of script. How are you doing today, Ted? I'm good, John,
1: and I am excited to read these pages that I was working on. They are the next two beats, five, four and five, rather, and... Uh, The most fun thing I had to do in this one was to come up with all of the nominees for the, for the Gaia award, the best world creator, um, award. And so I had some fun listening to our old episode C20, which was the novel world's episode where we we pitched pitched ideas back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So that I had a really fun walk the other day where I just listened to that episode on the walk and, uh, uh, whenever something struck my fancy, I wrote it in a, you know, in a little notepad. And when I came home, I tried to turn those into, um, some representative things. So it'll be, s- it'd be interesting to see if you like them, if they come across, if they make any sense to you. Obviously, we can change them later. Um, and they revealed some things to me, which I'll, I'll save for later, but let's, let's jump right into it.
0: Inter- Interestingly, this is the first time we've ever written something where we had a podcast record to refer back to. I know. So, uh, <laughs> It has some advantages, I guess. This yeah, yeah, one. yeah.
1: There was definitely things in there that I had forgotten, and um, that I had not notated any other way. So it was, um, yeah, it's already been valuable, I think, and uh, yeah, it's been cool to try to write this thing in this way. So we'll see, we'll see how it comes out.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> right. So yeah, so now we'll, we'll do your pages. Yeah, right, let's do. it. Right, so
1: we're jumping on page seventeen, uh, which is four panels. I'm going to be reading the um the descriptions so we'll start there panel one the grand lobby of agoria a giant multi-story atrium in what looks like an escher designed bus terminal made to process and admit oceans of people a day crowds wait in orderly lines everywhere with clearly marked signage lining all the dozens of corridors tim and zoya are at the front of an express line
0: tim one thing i'll say for agoria they know how to deal with a crowd Zoya.
1: Got that right. Panel two, Tim approaches an express terminal, which looks a bit like an ATM. It shows two choices for express contracts, standard and elite. Panel three, Tim presses standard. Tim and Zoya are in a wide aisle in the center of a massive bazaar. Tent booths line the row as far as the eye can see. A minaret in the distance helps with sense of direction. A few people in widely disparate clothes are walking around in the background. Zoya says, Here, I know a place we can go. Okay, next page. Uh, First panel, we're inside a tent. There is a fire in the center and two seats. Zoya is gesturing to Tim to sit down. In the foreground is a contract laid out near the fire. In panel two, Tim sits and picks up the
0: contract. Tim, you drafted language already? Zoya.
1: My family has a lawyer on retainer here, so we can get stuff like this done fast.
0: Tim, must be nice. Panel three, Tim reads, tim so if either of us come back here meaning if we spend money on anything basically the other gets their full browser history
1: panel four zoya looks at tim with
0: confidence zoya
1: exactly sound good to you
0: hmm yeah i like it simple and effective i'll sign
1: panel five tim's name is signed on the paper panel six wider shot tim looks at zoya perhaps attracted to her zoya is already looking at the door Uh, Zoya, now let's get back to that ceremony before they realize we're gone.
0: Drum roll, please.
1: All right. Next page. A big panel. We're back in the Parsian event hall space. Now in the auditorium section, the crowd is seated at elegant dining tables across a massive dance floor with a stage and podium dead center. Spotlights illuminate parts of the stage and a giant statue of a humanoid figure with a world in their hand. A Gaia rotates on the stage. The audience applauds two figures approaching
0: the podium. And now, please welcome to the stage legendary world creator Zhao Long Huang and Gaia Awards committee person Meredith Gaultier.
1: Sound effects. Clap, clap, clap. I think clap is the sound effect for clapping. I actually, we got to look that up. I'm not sure.
0: The Uh, standard uh, comic book sound effect? I'm not sure. (laughs) But I
1: used it a lot. Uh, Okay, next panel insert of Arturo pouring two drinks into his mouth at once.
0: And Arturo says, we are so screwed.
1: Close up on the presenters. Zhao Long, a handsome middle-aged Chinese man dressed in a cook's apron and a mini skirt, And Meredith, uh, the drunk woman from the mixer, whose cheeks are red. So I named her Meredith, by the way. But this is the same lady we saw in your pages.
0: Okay, so Zhao Long says, thanks, everyone. We're thrilled to present the nominees for Best Designed World. These are the experiences that moved us the most this year.
1: Meredith, from a religious epic to the longest high commitment roleplay ever attempted, the scope and breadth of each of our nominees shows the remarkable growth and complexity
0: of the world creation art form. And the nominees are. Next page. Panel 1. The
1: presenters read from a list. Behind them, a large projected movie poster like image of an asteroid with a complex city on its surface appears hovering above the stage meredith fractal rock close on the creator of fractal rock in the next panel a studious looking man with glasses and a scarf over his tuxedo jacket
0: an interactive sandbox set entirely on an asteroid where the visitors can control only one thing their own size
1: sound effects clap clap Uh, next panel angle on the projected image now changed to one of a bloody mass of clashing soldiers in the guise of 14th century french and english armies bloody and gory the hundred years war a recreation of the series of medieval wars between england and france recreated in real time in which every actor is committed until their character's death next panel on arturo and tim in their seats tim looks like he's nervous arturo is throwing away an empty glass with one hand while reaching for another glass with the other hand sound effects clap clap The first caption says, celestial bodies.
0: A wholly original world with its own internal logic that challenges visitors to engage not just as a player or a spectator alone.
1: Okay. On the next page, uh, the first panel is on the presenters. Behind them, we might see a bit of the image that we saw earlier with the teacher with the hole for a head. Uh, And Meredith says, educating Zoya.
0: And Jiao Long comments, a searing look at the ways our world indoctrinates the young with a hopeful message that better is possible
1: panel two is on tim super annoyed
0: ah that sounds really good says tim
1: so he actually thinks that i i was what is that how we want to do thought bubbles i have Tim. oh i didn't com- even miss that. Pr- there's, a, there's a
0: parenthetical establishing this that that's a thought so yeah, i was thinking uh, that's
1: like three dots you know like a thought bubble
0: oh it's funny so many of the comics i've been reading lately have not been using internal thoughts so i've like forgotten about Right, the power of that.
1: But it's different from like a voiceover because it's just it's just literally his thought, you know.
0: Right. Well, because the voiceover doesn't have the perspective of being said to us. Exactly. Obsessed. Let's come back to this after we finish the read. I've got thoughts.
1: So anyway, I don't know if we're going to use those, but I wrote that one. But that was
0: that was supposed to be Tim thinking. Ah, that sounds really good about Zoya's piece.
1: Exactly. Next panel, on the projected image, this one of a beatific smile of a saintly-looking man who holds one
0: hand near
1: a hot flame and another one near a sword.
0: And finally, Divine Default.
1: A stunningly detailed emotional religious epic with hundreds of live actors recreating the origins of today's massively popular defaultist religious movements. Uh, Next panel, Zhao Long looks at Meredith with a staged friendliness. Meredith struggles mightily to open the envelope.
0: Zhao Long. I think... One thing we can say about this year's nominees is that whoever wins, they will truly deserve it.
1: Meredith couldn't agree more. Now, if I could just get this open. Uh, next panel, Tim and Arturo are on the edge of their seats. There, got
0: it. And the guy I goes to. Uh, yeah. So that's where it ends. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That is the clicker. Oh, interesting. Okay, there's so many cool things that uh, <laughs> that I wasn't expecting uh, about how this how this is set up, which is very cool. So. Um, So we pre-talked before the show a little bit about the fact that the beginning of the comic book is definitely feeling like it's really immersed in this or wants to be immersed in this art scene. I mean, after all, we're at this award ceremony and we're among art students competing with each other and so on. Yeah, this Um, is what
1: I've been discovering, uh, both reading your pages and writing these is exactly that.
0: Yeah. And I think just saying that out loud that like the whole first part of this book is basically going to just be immersed in that culture in the same way that other parts of the book will be immersed in other cultures. Like eventually we'll be in the part of the book where it's all about naturalism. Right. right? But for now, we're really want to like lean hard on what it is to make art in the constellation. And I think I can see why you're coming to that conclusion because, you know, this is such a chance to really talk about the art scene when you're Going through the nominees. Like the idea of watching essentially the Academy Award nominees from another universe. Exactly. That was literally. Is, is, I think, a pretty good hook for an early part of our comic book if we can get it right. So I like, I think that's cool.
1: Well, right. I mean, and what do you learn from a culture by the art that it celebrates, right? So, I mean, we had talked through all of these different movements and counter movements and stuff. And I just wanted to show, like, yeah, what is the breadth of what's acceptable at this point? And I tried to give, um, examples that in my mind fit into the various, um, both modalities that we talked about, like the sandbox, the mission, the, uh, the team effort and the ride, right. Those are the four main modalities. And then also the fit into the, like, you know, various genres that we discussed, like something that describes, uh, a religion uh, of the constellation or something that describes a pre-transition event or something that uh, is sort of internal and abstract or something that is sort of personal and, Unique, uh, and man, so, I forgot
0: about our category schemes. I got to re-listen to that episode. I mean, C
1: twenty man is. I'm not to toot our own horn or anything, but one of my favorite episodes that we've done because it's just like an hour and a half of us being creative. It's not like it's not very focused. It's not the most you know rigorous work that we've done, but it is really like pretty entertaining to listen to, just like all the wacky ideas.
0: But I forgot about um, that, like taxonomy and stuff, like.
1: Yeah. yeah. Listening
0: back to that was very helpful for me. Did we do another episode, too, somewhere in back in the, like, maybe earlier in history just about the art scene yeah. in general? So
1: I think we talked maybe about I this in the last that uh, time that I recorded uh, two episodes ago, but um, I think C16 is the one you're talking about, um, which is the first episode we did where we really talked through the art world concept just uh what that was versus like a utility world or someplace live, and then we got into you know some some pretty interesting stuff with that that i ended up using um more when i was trying to come up with the opening and like i guess for me like after doing this and i don't know if you feel this way but my biggest uh worry after i finished writing this was Oh no, have I made their project too boring <laughs> compared to oh, the yeah. other projects? Oh yeah. Let, have, have I surpassed the quality of cuz that was the, obviously their project is the first one I thought of yeah, and these yeah. were the 10th and 15th ones I thought of. So of course they're better.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let, let me I, let me might, jump in We might to have that. to do something about that later. <laughs> I mean that was already going to be one of my notes. Yeah. Theirs is I mean, we'll go through the nominees, but theirs is obviously the most boring and it definitely stands out well,
1: and like when I wrote the caption for it, I was like, oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to puff this up so hard and I can't do it. That's not a good sign. So yeah, I think conceptually there theirs maybe needs like um a rethink. Uh, one of the things that I was conceptually thinking about their project, uh, that I don't think is getting across here is that, and maybe I just need to make this explicit somewhere, is that Tim is trying to like combine all the modalities into one project where you're sort of, you know, um, you're sandboxed mm. in a part of it, but then if you uh, do this one thing, then all of a sudden you get shunted into a mission, or where if you, you know, if you collaborate with people, there's a secret element of it, or something like that. Cause, and I don't think we showed that in the in the opening like montage which makes it feel more like a ride um so there might be some way to edit that opening to make that feel more like it is a like the genre is shifting around you or something or maybe that's just not a good idea i don't know but that's yeah
0: (laughs) i feel like that idea is too complex to start our comic on like it's like you have like it's it's To talk about, you have to know what the four genres are to even know what mixing means. Right, so you have to explain that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think the way to do this is -hmm. is like, and I should be going back to those episodes myself. I will do that now because I haven't done that work. But I think we should just figure out what our best five ideas are, almost agnostic about which one is going to be Tim and Arturo's. And even maybe which one is going to be Zoya's. Just like figure out what our best five ideas are that we've come up with in all of the podcast, and that we can also come up with now, rethinking it. And then maybe look at that list and then assign them to like Tim. Which oh, this one kind of fits with Tim and Arturo, and this one kind of fits with Zoya. Like I think we just lead with our five best ones. It's is the only time we're going to have to be this. Yeah, that's creative. interesting.
1: I mean, certainly, uh, uh, I- I'm open to that. I think you know we had ideas to. Pin both Zoya and Tim's work to their personalities in some way, and I still think that that's cool. But, but I think we can, we can maybe do
0: that from like a menu of five, and then like which one is already closest to their personality. Sure, or,
1: sure, sure. That and might work. Like,
0: how can we like, you know what I mean? That's maybe how I would approach it if we really wanted to be like rigorous about it. We don't necessarily have to do that, but yeah, I um, mean, I'm
1: I'm I'm willing to do that experiment. I guess. Uh, yeah, I think the episodes that. One thing that we did have as an idea was uh, Tim working on coding that would like change the perception of time inside Mm. the world, uh, which was something that we decided was like maybe theoretically possible, but hadn't been achieved. Um, So that's another thing that could be applied both to the first scene and this scene in order to, you know, uh, make that into a thing. If we think that's cooler than uh what we have and um
0: it'd be good to for him to have a superpower like that like the thing that he's clearly good at
1: right well i like the idea that he is like chasing some genuinely new thing but he doesn't quite make it in some way like the the illusion breaks down in some way or something so uh i don't know i didn't have like a good answer for that this time around which is why i didn't try to put it in here but it it, it occurred to me that that's, that's, that was the most interesting thing I didn't use basically <laughs> that I found in those things. And then, um, uh, yeah. And then I feel like the other ones are just sort of me playing with, um, with some of those categories that
0: we had discussed back then. And try- okay. So, so let, yeah, let me kind of go through this real quickly in order. Sure. Um, so the, uh, for some reason, I had thought the uh, the scene between Tim and Zoya at the at Agoria, where they make the contract, would be a bit longer. But I guess, as you pointed out, they are rushed, and they have to get back to the ceremony. So I also was just
1: thinking about, like, Zoya's already been told to do it, which we don't know, but that's true, right? And Tim thinks he's getting one over on her. So what exactly is he gonna spend time dallying on?
0: It's true, there's no like inherent conflict to the negotiation since they're both basically yeah. for it. And the
1: only thing that I could think of, which I didn't play with too much, is if he you know, if we wanted to play with some romantic tension between them, if we wanted to have him, like, hit on her or something. Well, like I noticed you
0: wrote, Tim looks at Zoya, perhaps attracted to her, which yeah. is almost like you had written a note to self, is this a romantic
1: scene? Exactly. <laughs> well, I I kind of like the idea of just... Um, right. I, so that's just a note to the artist that, like, maybe he could have a look that, you know, we, we sometimes uh stereotypically associate with a look of love right toward Mm -hmm. her and then she would be looking uh out at the door like not at him just to create in that shot maybe a little bit of expectation that he's attracted to her you know but really subtly um which is something that we we've talked about playing with and i kind of like the idea of playing with but obviously, this is a very, very, very subtle way to do that, which most people would probably not even um, notice. Um,
0: you know, something weird about this scene that I realized we could play up, uh-huh, is that there is I, I mean the, the the tension in here is this like first part. you drafted language already, and she tells a lie. My family has a lawyer on retainer. Well, here, I don't think so that's we, a
1: lie, actually. I think that's what's well, not exactly. It's just it's not, not the really whole truth the f- because she's, she's been told by her family, like, basically what to write, right?
0: I guess I just assumed that, like, her parents might have, because since her parents are both lawyers in our fiction, I mean, our readers don't know that, but I just like maybe her parents had even, like, written it. Uh, so, right, because they're, you know, why wouldn't they just do it themselves at that point? um they could it's just weird because yeah. like she has these invisible people that are like just off screen that tim doesn't know about which we'll later well, learn about
1: yeah i mean look i guess i thought that that was like a true statement and that the parents had just sort but
0: of it almost doesn't matter whether it's a true statement or not right like well i guess like- the
1: other way i could have shown it which i thought about but didn't do is i could have had a lawyer poof appear, right in the
0: tent with them, like an arbitrator from Mogoria or something. Well, I guess I was I did, thinking it was yeah. more
1: like their f- hired lawyer. Like, poof, like, uh, hi, I'm Lewis Scheinberg. I'm uh, an AI lawyer. the The Hall family asked me to write up these terms or whatever it is that he says. And you know, I, I thought about that, and then I thought about like, how oh, is that complicated? Do we need that? What if she just has it and he's a little bit skeeved, but he. He, it, he basically just buys it as like well I know you're rich and your family's powerful so like this makes sense. That's like,
0: that's what I've been trying to get to with this yeah. with this going over this. The point I was trying to make is yeah. that this uh, draws out that issue. The, it does the class difference. The class difference. That's yeah. that's the that's the whole point I was trying to make. So it almost doesn't matter like whether where the lawyer's coming from or who wrote it. Sure, uh, my sure. Point in is any, that, either way, like it would do that. she mm-hmm. was able to have a thing drafted, in, almost instantly. Right uh, off screen without having to do anything herself. And right. like I, in my head, I almost imagine a scene where like, as they're approaching it, um, cause you do have like a few steps before that, right. Where they're like in this pre lobby and they have to like,
1: right. I just like, wanted to show the, uh, the, the, the contract acceptance situation for Agoria as being like automated and simple because I figured so many people have to go to Agoria every day. That there would be value in that, um, right? Right, but I think but if yeah.
0: we keep this scene, mm-hmm. um, that we don't, which it, then we don't need this dialogue that's in the scene right here, right? Because that, you know, we're not getting a lot. That could be an ongoing conversation that we're getting, where Tim is starting to make the terms already, um, where they're already discussing the terms, right? Like, like, and how it's gonna work. But like, once they get there, like, it's already been written off screen. Um, which I think is like probably how this like might actually go, right? Um, I see. I guess yeah. I
1: I didn't have them talking about the terms in the lobby because I figured there would be some privacy issue with that. But um, if we feel like that's not a problem, I guess it, yeah,
0: I guess there could be. Then yeah, we I can mean, it's like
1: not do that. I mean, and the other reason to have this dialogue here was just to sort of point out why the image is the way it is, which maybe that's not trusting the audience enough. I don't know, but I put it there for that reason.
0: Um, Maybe I'm just responding to like the, the seeing them. We're not getting to see them like do any of the negotiations themselves. Right. Right. Which I think would be potentially fun and have like a little more like, right stakes to it but even if even if they know that they're going to agree on the same terms because they both ultimately want to get to yes so there's no none of that kind of tension but there's some tension in sort of like winding your way there on a short time limit um right 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 especially if zoya's like being whispered at in her ear so right um maybe i'm wondering if like yeah that maybe that we we don't want the contract to be well if we want this scene to be as short as possible we want to do it exactly how you did it i think
1: Right, that's what I sort of tried, was like, what's the short version? But I think what I could have done, and which I would have probably liked, but I just didn't do, is on page 18, um, the terms that he reads off on panel three are exactly the terms that they're going to close on, right? But what if they weren't? What if the terms were a little bit more egregious, right? There was something in it he couldn't accept. So that would add probably a page of of negotiation at that point where he's like, you know, this thing, I didn't figure out, you know, I don't know what it is. So we'd have to figure out this term doesn't sound so great. Why don't we just do this simpler thing, which is the thing that they're going to ultimately agree to. And basically he's being manipulated maybe. um, But, uh, but he doesn't know it. Um, And she seems like she's not going to accept it at first, but then she kind of gets whispered in the ear and we don't know what's going on. And then she does accept it, right? So it could go like that, and that could expand it. And I think that could be tense and interesting, especially if there's a little bit of, come on, we got to decide one way or another and get back, you know, before they notice. Um, Right, and how aware is
0: is Tim of the fact that, like, he's being rushed into this by parties he probably doesn't see on screen, right? Like...
1: Right. So, right. I didn't give him much. I didn't give him much awareness of that. Just a little bit of, yeah, I just, there's a little bit of paranoia maybe, but it's, yeah, I thought it was too early for him to have too much of an idea, but yeah, I guess we could, we could push that actually. And he could, he could feel like he's being pushed and think to himself, basically, this might be a bad idea then still take the chance and do it. I mean, that's okay, I think. I think that's within his character.
0: Well, and because you mentioned that, um, the idea that he might feel he's being pushed, because that could be a thought bubble, right? We talked earlier about, like, are we doing thought bubbles or not? Right. Um, It could also
1: be voiceover if we prefer we want to do that style, like with captions. That's also a thing we can do.
0: Well, it's funny because I think I have not, until you had brought it up during the read, I had not really even conceived of thought bubbles. And I think it's just because I'm in a string of reading comics that aren't really using them. So it's just not been part of the like language I'm absorbing from reading right now. So it was sort of off my radar. And I think in our comic, I always pictured we've got uh, Tim's POV and then eventually we switched to Zoya's, right? And we're not really doing like a multi-POV thing. Um, right
1: in terms of like using vo i wouldn't want to have non-tim vo prior to the switch right
0: that's the theory although i was like tempted by the idea because i was thinking of like you know i like so so and i've said this to you before like part of the reason i love peep show is because i love what is possible with like hearing a character's like inner thoughts while also hearing their regular uh out loud statements well i just think
1: subjectivity is like a really like any way you can create subjectivity in the work i think is really powerful and important right Um, so
0: then i was really thinking like maybe we yeah maybe we don't want to handcuff ourselves there and like do we even want to go outside like take a more like it just made me think especially too when we were with our conversation about this being about the art scene i'm like how uh close on tim do we want to be versus like maybe a little more zoomed out you know.
1: Right. Well, and I tried to give a feeling of the room without making it really long, but we could honestly like triple that section very easily and just show more reaction shots from all of the different creators and all of the different celebrities in the audience and stuff like that um, and show more cutbacks to Tim and Arturo as they, you know, have snarky or um, not snarky things to say about all the different um, nominees and stuff. So I think there's like a... I think there's a lot of options there if we want to expand that out and use the medium more in that section uh, to do so. I thought, you know, because we have a lot of, Beats ahead of us, and I wasn't sure how many pages we want this thing to be in total. I decided to do like a minimal version of it at first to just try that out and see how well that works. But I am very open to the idea that we could expand this section and do more with it.
0: Um, but, but what do you like in general for the comic though? Yeah. Like, what do you think of like, like a more zoomed out version of the comic would maybe uh, never use. Uh, tim voiceover it would only use tim thought bubbles and tim would tend to be more zoomed out in the frame and you would occasionally hear thought bubbles from other characters like it'd still be tim's story so it'd be most often when they were interacting with him that you would see them but like just really signaling that like tim is not a hero really he's like a character We're looking, you know and that you know that zoomed out point of view like well look i think using thought
1: bubbles rather than voiceover uh, captions definitely leaves you more leeway to have thoughts of other non-Tim characters. I think that's true. I think that's just like fundamentally true of the way that li- that's used linguistically in comics.
0: But I also think it makes you feel farther from the character. That part my... I'm not sure about
1: that. I, I, under- I hear you saying that and I, I get what you're saying. I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's my experience. So um, I'm, le- I'm, okay. le- I'm less convinced that that's imp- an important distinction if you feel that way i mean i'm okay with like sort of provisionally assigning that that way but i'm not totally sure about that i think look i personally i am not at all worried about using both thought bubbles and voiceover anywhere and any way we want and i also wouldn't be so and i also like uh The way I wrote these captions, I used a convention that I've seen in other comics where when it's a person speaking off screen, the caption uses quotes, but doesn't tell you exactly who's talking. Um, And you're just supposed to figure it out from context. Um, Yeah, I've seen that before. And, you know, there's other ways to do that. I've seen um, uh, comics that use font or um, use... uh, you know, there's like an, an unseen announcer at one point who says, "And now, please welcome to the stage." That I wrote as a caption, but that could be like um, just text right on the right on the image, I think. And because it's like sound, it's like an it's diegetic sound in the room. You, no one in the room seeing the speaker either. You know, it's an announcer, so that could have like its own look or its own um, font or any of that. I I didn't. I don't know. I tried to sort of not make those decisions now, just thinking like. Those can all get made later. Right.
0: The, the decision that matters now is less the formal decision and more the the tonal decision of how zoomed out to be on our characters. Like I'm really asking, like, how close feeling on Tim do we want it to be, right? Um
1: Well, my aesthetic preference is for it to feel as close to Tim as we can make it. And I I, I guess where
0: gotcha where okay. that's, that's operationalized
1: what I'm is maybe like the question for us right now, because you know, uh, I could, have yeah, I guess I thought in that moment it felt right to have his thought bubble because it didn't seem like he was saying that to us, the audience. It seemed like he was saying that literally to himself in his own head. I could have also just made it a, a speech bubble and it would have been one of those, um, acceptable, but in sometimes annoying things where we've, uh, We just have a character say something to no one because they're thinking it. And of course, people do do that in real life every once in a while. It just seems awkward and overused in media, right? Uh, And so sometimes I get annoyed if a character says, where is everybody out loud or whatever, you know, it's like, it's obviously what they're thinking, but they wouldn't have really opened their mouth and said it in the real world. So in that moment, I just thought, well, he's keeping his mouth shut because he doesn't want to like say something Nice about Soya, like out loud.
0: No, no, yeah, I,
1: but, I, I mean, I get, I get um, that,
0: and I, I wouldn't want him saying that out loud. He could say something pretty
1: similar to it out loud. You know, we just have to like really just tweak the sentence a little. So, I, I, look, I, I guess for me, I don't feel like we. Eat, I don't know.
0: I don't. But you but I, you answered my question because you said you wanted to beat your aesthetic preferences for it to be as close as Tim on pos- as possible.
1: I do like that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to the extent that we think using thought bubbles is going to abstract us away from him or something, then I guess I'm against them. I, I'm just not totally sure that that does that. I think we could probably use No, I think suppose. it does the
0: opposite. I think the th- – the th- well, actually, it depends, right? I, I get, Okay, well, we don't have voiceover currently in the comics, so – it's sort of a mood point, right? Um, Correct. But uh, yeah, even we the were beginning gonna be is, using is dialogue
1: at this time. But I, yeah. I haven't ruled out going back and changing that. I just haven't written. I, I always find that kind of stuff is easiest to write at the end when you know what you're seeing and it can be more of a meta commentary on what you're seeing, you know? But I mean, yeah. Um, I. I'm not opposed to doing that if we think it will help because I think, uh, I, yeah, I think that given how, um, strange this is in so many ways and how few, uh, uh, genre sort of tropes it relies on, I think being really close to the character is going to be important for getting the audience hooked early on. Um,
0: yeah. And I think if he's in every, if he's in every scene, um, we're, we're getting we're trending that way naturally i guess i just had a
1: were you were you going to argue that we should make it more um third person was that the argument you were about to make
0: i was toying with that in my head just because i was realizing how much uh so make that argument how the uh the comic book medium has to do that right so mm-hmm. it's just like really th- i was toying with that direction like very idly but i just that's all I was doing.
1: Well, I guess, you know, look, I I think the perspective should be Tim's. But like what I would be super comfortable with is like if we wanted to show a scene of like all of the hoi polloi sitting in the seats during the performance or the, the ceremony rather. And we wanted to do a thought bubble for each one of them about like the pretentious thing they're thinking about, whatever's being said at that moment. Right. Um, I think I'd be okay with that because I feel like um, on some level, Tim could guess what they're thinking. You know what I mean? Like he knows them and he knows that's his world. And maybe this is almost like his judgment of them as much as it is their own objective reality. Um, So I think that I would buy like that still feels to me like, pretty close to Tim, even if we're letting the audience in on something like that. Um, That's real different for me uh, from, for example, like cutting to Zoya's parents and having them talk in hushed tones about you know, what are we going to do about this problem with the boy or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like something like that's outside of what he knows. Well, that's giving away the like, twist. Yes. that's even a... But what about something where like... But just because it's like outside of his knowledge entirely, like... Right. Well, and yeah. a
0: smaller example would be like he interacts with Meredith at the party. Right. And then she thinks as she's walking away, gosh, that guy's an asshole, you know? Something like that, right? Yeah,
1: I'd be okay with that because I feel like he could guess that from her facial expression. You would be okay
0: with that, okay.
1: Yeah, to me that's like still well within the realm of like, Tim could conceivably know that so I'm fine with the audience knowing it. I think there's like, yeah, if it's like, if we're cutting to then like a scene that we didn't, that Tim has no knowledge of where Meredith is talking to like some other guy, that I would like be like, whoa, that feels like that feels like just perspective shift in a way that's okay.
0: But, but this other thing where you show her thoughts that he could guess, I do think the act of showing them is, is sort of feels like it's, it's maybe not, it's more third person than it was. And your and Tim seems maybe less sympathetic or less close to you than he did. I feel like it's on the spectrum. It's like, kind of like zooms it out a bit. It, it starts to feel a little more satirical, a little more like, Um, you're not meant to identify with Tim fully, you know, he's like a bit of a silly character seen from some angles and this world's a little bit silly seen from some angles. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's totally fine with me. I guess. Yeah. I feel like that level of shifting perspective between fully 100% POV main character and like sort of, you know. 10 degrees out into the world, seeing a little bit of how the world sees them and stuff is fine. And that I feel like uh, I've seen that done by like, for example, Dan Klaus in some of his work where like, you know, you'll have, you'll be very close to this character and then you'll see a scene where he's humiliated basically. And the other characters treat him poorly and you know, whether or not they have literal thought bubbles, uh, you've, you get, you pick up that he is actually like a, you know, a joke to them, and he might even pick it up himself and kind of comment on it. And I feel like that works, and I feel like you can shift. I feel like you can cut, pull off those kind of subtle shifts. Uh, it is possible to do that. So, for me, I'm not worried about us shifting that much. I I think that I like, I like it if it's a little bit, yeah, if the audience knows a little bit more. Than the character is thinking about in that moment, but it's still like within the realm of things that the character could intuit or could notice or you know subliminally notices, I think that that's fine. I think if we get into like yeah, really distant
0: stuff, so we never made it into the actual award ceremony thing, so let me just okay, like yeah, let's if talk we, about that. if we can very just like quickly go through these ideas, sure. Here. You've got okay. So the first one here, Fractal Rock. Yeah, I kind of remember talking about this. So the interactive sandbox, right, where you can where you can change your you own different skies. Yeah, so it's a little like, bit
1: like your UFO fifty game.
0: But is this the version? Because I remember talking like so. My UFO fifty game that I'm working on is a single player only. Right, thing. and
1: that one has a mission where you're trying to get out. But and this one yeah.
0: So it. right, so this is, but this is is an MMO though. Are there other players?
1: Yes, I thought it was an MMO sandbox where, yeah. So you could become tiny, and then somebody else could become big and squish you, or whatever.
0: <laughs> yes. Right, right, because I think that's where yes. the the idea that we got to at the end of that conversation, because yes. it's coming back to me. Yeah. So So this came okay, from
1: our previous episode. This was one of the ones we discussed. The specific title and stuff is new, but the basic concept was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I remember that, and I think that idea is still cool and there's like all these different people in it it's hard to convey it all in one moment but
1: well that was what i wasn't sure about so yeah maybe the image in the description do it maybe
0: they don't i don't know you know okay the other big question here is on at what level are we at because the style of this is obviously like academy awards it's always kind of how i naturally pictured it it's sort of what you think of when you think of award shows but um I mean, are they all art students, uh, or are they anyone of any? I guess like the student doesn't really mean the same thing in the constellation, Th- that's right? What but I was like thinking. exactly, but that. like are these these are non professionals? I take it, right? They're probably like
1: I don't know if they're professionals, but like Zhao Long Wang wouldn't
0: wouldn't be considered for this, be, right? Because mm-hmm. this is like meant to be for up and comers. I feel like or- Jalong Wang's already
1: won a bunch of these. Um, maybe he just isn't up for one this year because he didn't, you
0: know, have a release. Oh, but he's this always year. trying to be up. So this is on the level of the. But Academy But I'm thinking
1: Awards. this is like Sundance or the Academy Awards or the Baftas. Like it's like, it's like a high prestige thing. That doesn't mean that everybody. The thing about the Academy Awards versus, say, Sundance, right? Sundance is, feels yeah. Is that the Academy Awards different. is always expensive movies? I mean, this is just a reality of it's Hollywood. It's a marketing thing, right? But the. Sundance, which is like a marketing thing too. I mean, you know, whatever, but it's, it's, it's ostensible purpose is to find quality movies. Right. So they will often pick movies that are more cheaply produced if they think they have other metrics of quality. Right. So, uh, uh, this, I feel like is a little bit more like that because I'm just thinking in general, the world creation scene it's not like a billion dollar industry it's more well, of like a a, a a a a large niche of obsessed people who do or make these things
0: right right. But, right but that that but yeah but the hundred years war one let's talk about that right because that one well that one's a, an
1: absurdly high commitment uh role-playing um thing <laughs> That that was the purpose of that.
0: Well, and it's also historical recreation. It's also historical recreation, which is another which is also a category. Yep. But it also, um, oh no, maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of. So I like that one. Isn't there one that uses actors? So oh, it's the religious epic. That's
1: the religious epic I thought would use actors because I thought here's what I thought. I thought there's so many people who are maybe in these religions that they could afford to, you know, mount a giant um a, a giant epic full of actors, basically. You know, that that's something that the church would Right, because I, I
0: that's where I wondered about the cost of that. So you're thinking maybe I was thinking the church s- made
1: this? I, I was thinking that the church or like some, you know, religious group um that is maybe like a, a pan religious group across many defaultist, you know, worlds. Um might be the money behind something like that, the organizing force, and that they might have enough resources because defaultism is popular and you know uh, has many adherents. Um,
0: I see, I see. So that mu- that one's so, funded because the funding I mean, for that one—I don't know. I mean, you know, we definitely could, okay. So we but could this also is make how-
1: it like a smaller thing if that seems really ridiculous too. But I was thinking, yeah, like. Uh, Right, because uh, uh, like a regular band of college students, like Zoya wouldn't have like tons of actors in hers, but like um, yeah, if there's all these defaultists and they all believe in this religion and they all want to get together and do, I I I, I get it, it.
0: but yeah, but the as like a so there's just a bunch of things here that are clarifying for me because they're just a little different than what I had in my head. Sure, but I think I don't object to anything here. I'm just trying to like make sure I'm on the same page. So, because like I part of me pictured that this might be a fairly parochial thing like where it
1: could still be if if they're in a prestigious uh
0: like in if they're in a prestigious maker world that they had to apply to right yeah right it's like you know the harvard of art schools and the constellation right right? so it's like it's a big deal to even be there but it's a sort of small group of people and they're by definition mostly not people who have already made it right they're people who are trying to make it and like, if that most prestigious of all art schools were to have a, give its own internal awards that because that school is so prestigious, the, the, uh, right, right, right. all top looks to them for right, right, like recruits. Sure. It could right, be like, like
1: a, like a student Academy award type thing or something. like Yeah. That, that. Yeah, that is, right.
0: I think more on the level that was in my head, uh, uh-huh. because I was thinking of like Zoya and Tim as like, you know, kind of like top tier classmates almost right um the idea that it's like a bigger like constellation wide thing like on the level of a sundance or even an academy awards with like and some of these things have serious funding is also super cool but it i think it tells us a lot about you know tim and zoya like which level we're at here um, right,
1: right, right. So are we making him too good at it or something? Which uh, I, that that did occur to me. Um, and yeah, we could try to make it more like it's the McCannia end of the year awards. And so, you know, I think Fractal Rock could still be there, but maybe the other two would be use all scaled, the same
0: ideas, frankly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Much more scaled down versions. Like you could still have the Hundred Years War, but maybe it's all it, all robots except for the one player. Or you could still have like, but this you're still stuck in there for a hundred years, which is the critical aspect of the Hundred Years War. Is I want well, the to MMO could still exist high.
0: if it was like virally popular because... Cause right, cause right, right, right. Like I said, fractal could rock could still be like there. That. Yeah,
1: because that's like it's still just one world that you're creating, and then it's all this emergent properties from the people who do it. Right,
0: and it like got it's been. It just got popular like a year before they submitted it even. Like or just like, yeah, have just three months or it. something.
1: Yeah, 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 sure. I yeah. I, I believe that. I um, And then the religious epic could just be like a, a more scaled down version of a religious epic. You know, it doesn't have to be that different. Um, or it could be something else that maybe the religious epic is not what the students of mecannia would make, right? Maybe I wouldn't buy that. So maybe I'd have to come up with a...
0: Oh, gosh. You know, the other a, a issue here is... Um, If this if movies have to play to be eligible for an Academy Award, right? Right, like they have to already have played. Right, Uh, they have
1: a release date like window. Basically, they have to,
0: and they have to have been in at least some theater. And that also makes a lot of sense for games because it's especially if it's an MMO type thing. Like, have people actually like the MMO kind of doesn't exist as a cultural object until it's like been released and people have played it. Right. Right. Um. But that's not how, like, every award show works, right? Like, sometimes you're just finishing it to, like, submit it directly to the panel of judges. Like, Sundance is, like, most of those movies aren't out before Sundance, right? Right, Film
1: festivals, for example, right, um, show unreleased work exclusively, generally. uh, Or they're more selective about what they'll show if it's not unreleased. Sometimes
0: they'll even show stuff that's, like, not totally finished, right? Like, depending on the context. I mean, so... Um, and that, okay. And when we, the way the opening scene is written, it depends how big our time jump is, but it does feel like Tim and Arturo are like changing things rapidly to make a deadline. Correct. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're going to like, their thing's going to have been out there and viewable for a while.
1: Well, so they made the deadline, but we don't know how soon the deadline was. Right. I mean, it could have been months or it could just be like a few weeks or whatever. I don't know.
0: It could have been the deadline to get it into one theater and have an opening. Like, have they shown it to an audience before? Is I think well, so it's
1: like right. I mean, like the sort of the theater concept maybe doesn't quite translate. But like, people have to go to the world. They have to go visit the world, right? For it to have been you know, it has to be publicly listed on the data, on the IP database. on the Exactly. You know. That's how it would work so, in the
0: constellation. Right. So,
1: so, you know, they publicly listed it at X time and they notified the committee that it was publicly listed at that time. That was verified. Some official committee viewers went and visited it. And so did probably some of their mechanic classmates and whoever else. And, uh, you know, it got list. you know, whatever, there's a, there's a viral, uh, world creation world where they went and, and listed it and maybe it got upvoted there or something like that. And maybe that's the kind of thing that happens to all of these worlds. Um, I don't know. I didn't think through the exact mechanics of like how they do their release strategy, but I would imagine it's kind of like an internet release strategy. Now you make it available and then you do various kinds of posts that link people back to it on other worlds who aren't currently, you know, in the world and need to, they need to go. Well, it depends to it. how
0: many people have seen the finished product too. Cause I feel like that also affects their confidence level in these scenes. Like, Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they would know their own numbers, but they wouldn't necessarily know Zoya's numbers, let's say. And they would be right. They could be speculating how many people had gone to see hers versus theirs, et cetera.
0: Okay. So those are just, those are not like answers, but definitely things to think about. Um, I like, But yeah, Ideas, I like Fractal Rock, I like Hundred Years' War. Yeah, we talked about how Celestial Bodies, that's our main character's one, could be, it's probably the most boring one, unfortunately, but that makes sense. Well, so, Um, I mean, they
1: are going to lose, so maybe we just leave that and we just sort of doom them. But I, I think it's worth thinking about, yeah, like, maybe the beginning needs to change and maybe their whole project needs to change and maybe we need to have like a conceptual underpinning for their project that is driving tim um one thing we did talk about in the earlier episode um that i mentioned uh before we started recording well i'll mention it again is uh the idea that tim might be uh trying to slow down the apparent um uh, experience of time within the world mm-hmm. and maybe he's still failing at that or maybe that uh, illusion doesn't 100 percent work and maybe that's Part of you know what what leads to them you know not winning or something. So
0: yeah, and it, we should maybe know what it, the the scenes of them being anxious would all be more interesting on the second draft if we figured out like what is the thing that they think is going to tank them it's right like, what are they actually worried about uh, yeah uh, uh, it's that it's that it's the time effects
1: right the time, effects. time i should have more effects. time they on don't them. work right exactly so you know if that it, it, w- w- that's stuff that i had thoughts of as i was going through it but uh you know in the interest of getting more of the script done and also finding out you know what we have room for and stuff i think we should not solve that problem now and just move on um, but I, okay so the know,
0: next one is yeah what's the next one educating Zoya which obviously like this is sort of focused on so this
1: is me reacting to the poster that you described last time which right, I believe which... was a teacher with like a galaxy head or a hole in a head for something like that so yeah I like that image and I liked that we had previously discussed that she would somehow be rebelling against her situation so I just made it very on the nose maybe it's too on the nose but I just thought the uh, the obvious thing was just a, yeah a little no, personal think- account where you are Zoya in the world and you you know it's sort of a ride and you go through this indoctrination process kind of
0: well and certainly like we should be representing a personal scope project in this list if we can so I think right. that's potentially f- cool if we can find some additional. If we can pair it with one of our other ideas in some way to make it even weirder, great. But otherwise, it's good. Yeah, uh, I'm open
1: to that. I just couldn't figure out how to do that and make it come across quickly.
0: Hundreds of live actors. Rec- so I'm looking at the next one. This def- and I like this because this gets our defaultist history and the one about the religious epic with the real actors potentially. Right. Um. So, subject that one almost is like interesting, as for because of its what it's about. Right. So that one
1: does some expositional work. It tells you about defaultism a little bit. And then it also, uh, you know, one of the categories of things that we had talked about was like these large um, coordinated, you know, actor driven uh, epics. And um, I just thought, well, a big religion would have potentially the kind of manpower you would need to, to power one of those.
0: And I think defaultism is one of the more interesting things we've come up with and we don't have a great place for it in the story still. So, well, I
1: continue to look for places to mention it. So, this was my I, we first have one the, that I found.
0: Yeah, we have the interstitial, but I think setting it up here is is probably the right move. Um,
1: I feel like defaultism should be like Christianity. It should be like one of the biggest religions. And even though it's not the focus of our story, it should just be sort of everywhere that we can put
0: it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just such a, um, it's such a weird, it's such a genuinely strange, like byproduct of our like world building that I think is, is definitely worth leaning into.
1: Cool. Well, so the next time, what are you going to be writing, John?
0: Uh, I know I have to write a scene with, uh, Tim and his family, um, on Magnerbia.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, which feels like that's going to be hard. And then do I also have to write the scene with him and Arturo? I'm not looking at our outline, to be honest. At this So what it moment.
1: currently says is beat seven is Tim returns to Agoria. And then beat eight is that he's in the Edo home in Magnerbia. But I think we might have discussed potentially cutting seven, right? Like,
0: it, Yeah. And
1: then I think either way you should, yeah, move on to nine. I think you should do... Uh, which is the breakup with Arturo. I think you should do uh, up until there. So yeah, I think it makes sense for you to do seven uh, through nine. All right,
0: so I've got my assignment. So I'll see you same time, same place. Oh yeah,
1: we'll be back to read it in two weeks. So thank you so much for uh, being with us and um, uh, continuing with us on this uh, crazy ride.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: This has been Constellation, making the graphic novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.